Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and thank you for this new year. Thank you, Lord, for every day that you've given us. And thank you, Lord, that there's only one day for the Christian. It's called today. And so we thank you for today. And we thank you for helping us to spend all the grace that you've given us for today doing your will and growing in that grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for helping me to be a help to the body of Christ, to heal them everywhere they hurt, empower them through your love and promises and truth. Help them to know that they are loved by you and that they are loved by us and to help them to prosper in every way in their life, spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Well, Happy New Year! This is a going to be a great year. Amen. Amen. Are y'all excited about it? Yes. <laughs> I hope you are. I really do. I want to talk about our Christian life today and and the growth, I guess you could call this getting stronger. We'll call it getting stronger. And interestingly enough, I want to just read to you out of the book of Mark in the fourth chapter. And I want to just spend time in the words of Jesus today. How's that? Mark chapter 4, beginning in the first verse. Again, he, that's Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. He had to get in the boat, get away from everybody, pushing in on him. Pretty cool, huh? And he was teaching. Remember how I tell you the Bible talks a lot more about Jesus teaching than preaching? And this is how he's dealing with his ministers in the body of Christ these days because he... And I told you how great men of God and women of God who go around the world and have great healing ministries, which is a wonderful thing. A lot of uh, immature Christians or young uh, to the faith 
would be dead if it weren't for those wonderful gifts in the body, you know. And uh, But one of their biggest heartaches that you hear over and over again is that so many of those people lose their healing after they've been received it. Not all, but they get a lot, a lot of messages about people who have lost their healing. And so... Particularly people like Benny Hinn and them started sending these people to men like Andrew Womack, who teach the word and get people founded in the word and grown up and discipled in the word, which is what Jesus called us to do is to go into all the world and create disciples, not converts, you see. There's so many lost people out there who are in worse condition than they were when they, before they got baptized because they think that the Christian thing is a once and done. I know some of those people and I really am concerned for them, their lives, their eternal lives. Because if that's not what you think of Christianity, then you, you missed it. I don't think that that person who just simply thinks that you're supposed to go get baptized and say a prayer, and that's it. I don't really believe that person's saved. I'll be honest with you. Because it's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Because I, to, I, I tell you in my book, I did that a couple of times. Uh, the first time I, I got baptized, I was drunk. And uh, the, the other time, it was just a religious thing. And uh, neither time, I, I, I don't believe either time I was saved. Um, and it's just because I know the condition of my heart at the time and it wasn't about the Lord it was just about me you know and I had never really made a heartfelt commitment to God I'd never I you know the, the forgiveness part sounded good but the Lordship I had never surrendered to that I promise you that so I believe I would have gone to hell had I not uh, really been born again when I finally was, and I thank God for that. Nevertheless, uh, he was teaching from a boat. <laughs> okay. And he said he was teaching many things in parables. He always taught in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. He's not talking about a seamstress, he's talking about a farmer. S-O-W, okay? Sowing seed. And they did it back then. They had bags and they would throw the seed on the ground like I had to do when I was a kid to plant ryegrass for the winter time, okay? Uh, he said, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow seed and as he sowed, some fell, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain Growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, Who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, I have a place out in the big country, north of Abilene, Texas, and uh, 
about 90 acres, about half of it, we keep as farmland, we keep it, uh, and I sow wheat. I have a big tractor that's as tall as this building here, and my nephew is the operator out there for me, and, and uh, he's been, LB's been out there plowing the ground. And it gets really hot and dry out there in that part of the country. It's old red dirt. And that ground gets so hard that it gets big cracks in it and it gets really hard. And uh, it has broken lots of plows and and implements just trying to plow it. And then uh, the weeds and things get so tangled up in the implements and in the plows that you have to stop and, and get them all off of there and, and they get really get tangled up and there's a lot of mesquite out there too and those things have uh, thorns in them that are poisonous and they get in you and, uh, and it'll make you wish <laughs> it had okay um, it gets really big you ever seen somebody with one in there you can't miss them because their thumb will be about as big as a baseball (laughs) but once he gets it all plowed out and gets all the weeds out sometimes he has to plow it several times to get it soft enough to but the 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 wheat seed that we use is always the same you know the wheat seed is is always the same has the same potential in that seed but the ground that it is received into it's imperative that it has to be soft and allow for the seed to be sown into it for starters and to receive it and to for the, so the roots can grow and, and, and penetrate into that soil deep enough to provide a the proper strength and, and, and everything that that plant needs to, to stand up and to endure the heat and to, and to uh, and make sure that it just gives that seed an environment to release its full potential, right? Uh, and grow and produce the kind of uh, abundant return that we're hoping for. You understand? You know, it's, you don't have to be a farmer to understand how, how some of this stuff works, right? And then, of course, timing and, uh, and water are essential. I want to continue reading here in Mark. I'm just going to keep reading in this same chapter, starting at the 10th verse now, where I left off. And when he was alone, Jesus, those around him with the 12, that's the original 12 disciples, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. So, these mysteries that he kind of... He talked about natural things to explain spiritual things. And they're always kind of veiled, you know. And they said, why do you do that? And really, it says, there's another scripture, Proverbs 25, verse 2. It says, it's to the glory of God 
to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search a thing out. And the Bible, without giving too many scriptures, I'll get sidetracked, but you are a king. You are a king and a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, just like Jesus. That means without beginning, without end. You're going to be in Christ, with Christ, for all time. And he calls you kings and priests. I know that's a little overwhelming. Just like the fact that you will judge angels one day. But I say these things not to build you up or puff you up, but just to really humble you and make you realize the gravity of the situation and the fact that, hey, this ain't no dress rehearsal. This is the real deal. And you are something really special and great in God's eyes. And he has great plans for you. You don't understand it all right now. And that's okay. He'll make sure that you do on a need-to-know basis, though, I promise. (laughs) Is that fair enough? Is it okay if he doesn't put more on you than you can handle? He really doesn't want you to worry about all the things that he needs to deal with. There's a lot of stuff that you don't want to know, believe me. (laughs) There's a lot going on in this world that God is very aware of every little ugly Terrible detail. He doesn't need to share that with you. And he doesn't want to. He doesn't want you to live like that. Let him handle it. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to continue reading in the 13th verse. And he said to them. Do you not understand this parable? Now he's going to explain this to the disciples. He's gone off with them. And now he's breaking it down. And he's teaching it to the disciples. He's discipling them. Do you not understand this parable? Now I want you to listen to this. He's talking about the parable that I just read to you about seed and the sower and the different kinds of ground it's received into and the return. He said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Or any of the parables. In other words, if you don't understand this parable about the kingdom of God, you're not going to understand anything else I teach you, he says. That's why I always make such a big deal out of this. The sower, and then he explains it. The sower sows the word. The seed is the word of God. In this particular case... And though, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Remember it says it was on the path. So the path is hard ground. It's been walked on. And it just sits on top of the ground. And the birds are like, okay, lunch. And they come and eat it and it's gone. He said there are certain people just like that. Like hard ground that you've thrown the seed on top. It didn't even penetrate. And the birds or Satan came and he takes that seed from you immediately. That's why I tell people when you leave the building, every service, 
the enemy is going to immediately try to steal that word from you. He's not as interested in you as he is the word that has been sown in you. Why? Because the word of God has the power to save your soul. And he don't want that. If he can get the word from you, he's got you back. Alright. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And then they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. We know folks like this. Sounds good. It's great. But not if it's going to cause me any hardship. Not if it's going to put a strain on my life or cause anyone to make fun of me or look down on me or mess with any of my associations or my dinner parties or anything like that or affect the way I vote. So if that's the thing, then you can just take that and keep it. I don't need it. I don't want it. I'm not going to stick with it. Immediately they fall away. Wait. Uh, if he join the root, no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. These are just busy folks who have their priorities all screwed up. The Bible teaches us, I had this conversation with my nephew again for the 50th time yesterday, but not preaching at him, just reminding him. Because redundancy is good in God, Peter said. And just going over things, because especially the more successful he becomes, and actually he's becoming, he's coming closer and closer to God every day, and he's doing a great job with his family and himself and everything else. But I still remind him of things just to make sure he always using the right things as a sounding board, always bouncing everything off of the word of God, this, the character of God, the integrity of God, especially in business as you grow, because you're going to be the enemy is going to always offer you things and shortcuts and other things. And people uh, make allowances in the business world, in the world, don't they? And they justify it in their minds, don't they? God doesn't change. <laughs> and anyway, it's just like preparing a kid for, you know, sex outside of marriage or doing drugs and drinking, you know, all the different things that we talk to them about in advance, or hopefully we do. It, it helps them when they do actually come across that instead of having to figure it out on their own at that time when they're right in the midst of that peer pressure, right? So... It's good to make these decisions in advance. <clears throat> but those that get, then now it gets to the good ground. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 fold, 60 fold, and 100 fold. So that is. Uh, That is a breakdown in simple terms from Jesus about a spiritual 
and natural law that we have to understand. It's more important that you understand the spiritual aspect of that law than the natural. I mean, not all of you are going to be farmers, but if you ever, if you ever want to grow anything, uh, it won't hurt for you to know these things, but most of you learned in the first grade when the teacher told you to bring a sponge to school or whatever and a pack of seeds or whatever, and you figured all that stuff out. But the potential of the seed is inside the seed. God is the one who brings forth uh, the fruit, the growth. He causes, uh, he brings the water from the rain and he brings uh, the growth, but we don't know how all that works, but we know that it does work. We know that you're going to reap what you sow, the same kind of seed that you sow, more than you sow, later than you sow, right? If you sow tomato seeds in your garden and you expect watermelons you're going to be disappointed amen and you can discover all the science you want and you can cut open an apple and count and find out how many seeds are in that apple But until you can tell me how many apples are in a seed, then I'll just trust in the God who can. (laughs) These parables that Jesus teaches, especially this one, it has to do with everything. Because everything in the kingdom of God is in seed form. He teaches a lot about money because it's something that he knows people care about and and uh, will listen to. And that's why up to now, part of the reason, up to now that every year I turn down the compensation package that is available to me from the church. So I thank God that he allows me to work and provide for my family and I don't have to take anything from you. To this point, because when I talk about money, I want you to listen. (laughs) And I can tell you right now, I've never taken a single penny in all of my years from establishing this church. Not saying I never will. Not against it. Or ministers that do. I don't care about ministers that fly airplanes. Some of them have given away a lot of airplanes. And if they've sown that kind of seed, then they should expect that kind of harvest. Nevertheless, it's about time, it's about money, it's about kindness, it's about everything you can think of in God's eyes is in seed form. And whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Right there where we were just reading about communion, just a few scriptures before that, Paul was talking to the Corinthian church about giving. And he says, the point is this. He was telling them to take up an offering and he was telling them not to do it under compulsion. It should be, but have it all together when he got there. It was about a mission trip. And then he goes, and he goes in in, uh, chapter 9, verse 6, he says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So see, Jesus taught us about 
the spiritual law of sowing and reaping, talking about the word of God as the seed. Amen? Amen. But Paul's using the same spiritual law here, talking about a natural thing, money. You see the see what I'm saying? Everything is in seed form. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Because remember in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, the love chapter, you can give all you have, and if it's not motivated by love, it profits you nothing. That's why I don't tell people, you need to give, give your tithes and offerings. I don't do that. I put the basket back there by the door, and I hope that the Lord will show you and teach you his principles. And starting with this parable, though, you need to understand if you're going to understand the kingdom of God. Once you understand it and believe it, and you put your trust in God, I won't be able to keep you from giving. Over and above, you see. So I don't have to talk about it a lot. And I'm not talking about it today. I'm trying to teach you this parable because it's so important about everything else. Because really right now we're talking about faith. I was last week and I'm going to end that way this week and I'm going to continue on. Because I'm convinced that this group of folks and all the ones that are missing and some of you that listen on the internet are going to become stronger than horseradish this year regarding the things of God and the kingdom of God. And when you walk into a place, the environment is going to change. The atmosphere is going to change. Where was I? Mark chapter 4. So it's about, the parable is about growth. It's about multiplication. God is a God of multiplication. I know because 90 acres is a lot of land. And I know it's a lot of seed because it fills big old grain bin that you have to fill, pull behind a truck. But still, when you spread that out over 90 acres, it ain't a lot. But I know a lot more than that comes out of that ground when it's a good year. You see what I'm saying? That's what Jesus talked about. When people receive the word into good plowed ground, which is why I am thankful for someone that has the ministry gift of praise and worship to help you enter into the presence of God and the Spirit of God is present and you are ready to receive the Word of God into good tilled ground when I get up here, you see? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. 
with the measure you use, again, here he goes, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. In this sense, he's talking about still the word of God. There are people in the same church buildings every week, one sitting right next to the other, one, the seed of the Word of God is bouncing right off of that path or right into the rocky ground, and the other one is receiving it into a prepared and hungry heart for God. Amen. You see what I'm saying? And to the one who has received, even more will be given. So that one who's receiving it into good ground and is hungry for God, God is going to keep pouring it on. He's going to give them more and more revelation. And that other one, even what's been given to them, is going to be taken away. Not because God doesn't want them to have it, because they didn't receive it. Their receiver was broke. Talking about the light of God's word is what he's talking about. The example he used here is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket. He said, no, you're supposed to receive that, that light, that word, that love into good ground and then let, let it shine. Let it shine. Let, you li- let that little light shine. If Maddie is here, she'd say, Allah. <laughs> and she'd be right. Thank you, Jesus. That light comes in and it's like a mirror also. It's like a, it's shining into all your innermost parts, into the darkest parts of your soul, into the places that you don't ever want anyone to see. But God knows and you know he knows and, and that's fine. Just between the two of you, just get it right with him. You don't have to crawl into a little phone booth and tell it to the guy through the window. But you need to tell it to the man upstairs. That truth is searching all of our inmost being. There's a saying that says that as we're reading our Bible, our Bible is reading us, you see. So you read the Bible and it reads you and, and you need to listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling you. And you're looking into the righteous mirror of the Word of God. And what's happening is this thing is supposed to begin to reflect your image. When you first start reading it, it's a very foggy. <laughs> like you just got out of the shower and you're having to go yeah, wipe that thing with the towel just to kind of, what? And then it becomes more and more clear, you know. And then it's like you just... Turn that hair dryer on hot and just stuck it on there for a minute and just go <laughs> clear. There's the revelation comes. And you, you just the light bulbs go on and you just start having fun and the Lord starts having fun with you and you start getting it. You say, I see that, Lord. Wow. And then you get really excited because hey, I I'm 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 doing that. I uh, that's that's I'm doing good right there, Lord. And it's good to celebrate those things with him. And then you get to a part where you go, ah, ah, my. 
not really lined up with you right there, Lord. Uh, you sure that is that somewhere else in here too where I can get another witness on that? Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, then I'm going to have to work on that. I can't. I've been doing that a long time. Will you help me, Lord? Because I, I want to do it your way. He says, you're darn right. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me in there. I'm going to help you. I'm going to lead you through it. I got something better for you, by the way. I'm going to replace that that thinking. I'm going to replace that bitterness. I'm going to replace that unforgiveness. I'm going to replace that addiction. I'm going to replace that lust. I'm going to replace it with something very beautiful that I have for you here. Replacement therapy. Amen. Or oh me. Mark 4.26 And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. Sounds like uh, Dr. Seuss. I like that. The earth produces... Listen, let's, listen to this, guys. The earth produces by itself. First the blade... Then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. So, have you ever seen a beautiful, I love it. I love the tilled ground. I love the. I love it when it first comes up and you're checking it out. I love it as it grows. And then I love when you have the, when it starts turning golden and the, the weed is blowing. I love the whole thing. But first, you can get anything. <laughs> Come up yet? Nope. Come up yet? Nope. Come up yet? Nope. Hey, wait, I see some green over there today. And it just, what you get is that blade. Just a piece of grass comes up. That's what he's talking about. And then as it grows, it, then it, then it comes the ear. So, so it begins to develop a head on there, you know. It goes up, you get one, two, three blades, and you get so tall, and then you get a, a head on there, and then you get the full head of kernel, the grain. Now, you know you know how it works. That's what he's talking about. It's just a process in the growth of this thing. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle, because the harvest has come. And so it's fully mature, and it's ready to be used for what it was made for. Amen. I want to tell you from that piece of scripture right there. I want you to remember this. I'm, just, I'm not jumping around like I usually do. This is Mark chapter 4. Okay? And I'm pretty much standing the whole chapter right here. Not the whole chapter. I want to get to the whole chapter because it gets cool after that. After we're done with this, then he goes and gets in a boat and goes to sleep in a hurricane. And he gets up and tells it to shut up and it does. I love it. He is so cool. That's Mark chapter 4 too. But, not going to preach on that. This part I just read to you though about the... But it just sprouts up and then you get the, 
the head and you know the full kernel of wheat. I just want to tell you, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged in your church attendance, in your Bible study, in your relationship with the Lord as you're growing. It's a process. It is a process. Yesterday, it was warm. And I knew today was going to be cold. And also, it was the first day of the year. So, it was always Mama's tradition to take down all the Christmas decorations on January 1st. She wouldn't let you touch them before New Year's, but... But then you take it all down. And Tavana's been working really hard. She had to work on all the way through New Year's Eve. So did I. I didn't get home till dark. After dark on New Year's Eve. And then she had to get right back up and go to work again yesterday morning. So anyway, I said, I'm going to. So anyway, I, I went out and started putting all the decorations away. And then I, I put the inside stuff away too. And I felt pretty good about that. That was a blessing to her. And. Got it all done. But our little granddaughter, the oldest one, Harper, is five years old now. And she is just the light of my life. And uh, most people can see that. But she is really, really special. And this year, Tavana, see, Tavana has a... What about two foot tall, two, three foot tall nativity set that belonged to her mama. The, the three kings don't, they're a little different color than the rest of it because I think she bought them separate as she could afford the different pieces. <laughs> but anyway, we love it. And it's special to Tavana. And I put it out every year. And I don't put the baby Jesus in his little manger until Christmas Eve because of what that represents. And I want people to ask me about it. You know, same reason I put the little KSBJ cross in my yard on on Easter and then turn it around on Easter morning. He is risen. I want somebody to ask me about it so I have something to talk to them about the Lord. And then I leave it up until Ascension Day. Which nobody else does. And I want them to ask me, why would you taking that down? Oh, I'm glad you asked, you see. But I don't put it out there until Christmas Eve. Long story short, this year, I told Harper, because she really loves that thing. And I, I put her, I said, you're such a big girl now. We're going to put you in charge of baby Jesus. Because she always wants to play with him. Like a doll. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to put you in charge of baby Jesus. And you can keep him in the house and keep him safe until Christmas Eve. And then you'll put him out together into the manger scene. And uh, that'll be your job. And she got so excited. And so she took baby Jesus and and she, uh, well, she just heard it a little differently than I explained it to her. But she took him and she just... She bathed him and kept him wrapped up, and she's he's always, and she's like, all right. Um, she took him back and forth to her house, and, <laughs> and it was really something. And uh, one day, 
Samantha, I'm working. I'm driving down the road, and Samantha calls and tells me. She said, "I really upset Harper." She, <laughs> she said, "I." She said, uh, "She told me that ba- uh, that she she is baby Jesus' mother." <laughs> and uh, and uh, Samantha said, I explained to her that, well, really, Mary was Jesus' mother. And she got so mad and she started crying and she said, That's fake news. I'm his mama. Now, she's five years old. And wouldn't you say, though, I mean, that is a little immature, right? But not for her age. We celebrate that immaturity, don't we? She's perfect for her age. Now, if she's 30 and still doing that, we'll have to have a little longer talk. But right now, for her age, she is perfect. Perfectly mature. (laughs) It's the same way with Christianity. You know what I'm saying? A lot of us, we want great things. We want to do great things. We want to be much greater, better, you know what I mean? Than we are. And we get sometimes discouraged because of our walk with the Lord. And uh, we just need to learn to wait on God. And I don't mean do nothing while we wait. I mean to just wait like a waiter waits on a table. <laughs> you, 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 you're ministering to God. You, you, you're studying God. You're talking to God. You, you're learning His will and His ways. For your life, and you have to let His Word have its perfect work in your life. God knows what you need, and He also knows what you can handle. And He doesn't want to give you anything that might destroy you. He doesn't want to give you anything that might become another God in your life and get in between you and Him. The real God. He loves you too much. Doesn't mean He doesn't want you to have those things. He just wants you to teach you to be a good steward first. To be a good disciple. To know Him and to know His will and His ways for your life. And to be in agreement with Him. And then there's nothing He'll withhold from you. And if He is withholding anything now, it's not because He's mad at you. There's other reasons that you some of the things aren't manifesting in your life is because some of us have opened every door on the advent calendar to the devil. And the Lord's trying to help us shut them and board them up as fast as he can. But we did that. And the devil is doing those things, not God. Other things, God just says you're not ready. You're just not ready and you don't even know that. You don't even understand what I know. I mean, you may want to build a big orphanage somewhere. But, you know, if you, uh, if you can't balance your checkbook and, uh, there, you know, if you see that you've got $20,000 in that orphanage account 
And well, you just need a little bit right now for your bills. Uh, you ain't ready. Mm-mm. No, no. You know, I have been in desperate need sometimes in my ministry, just since I've been in the ministry, and I've never touched one penny of God's. Ever. And that's, you know, I mean, I'm just the best example I know. Well, Andrew's the best example I know. He has, he has, they have one of the largest ministries in the world as far as money going through it. And they're the most, uh, they are the most highly rated ministry in the world as far as transparency and integrity and all that, you know. And I really love that. But God is really just more concerned about you. He loves you more than what you can do for Him. He wants you to be prepared and uh, ready to take on everything that He has for you to do. Because there's plenty of work. (laughs) Amen? There's more work than we can get done in our lifetime. but, But He... He cares more about you individually than he does what you can do for him. That's how much he loves you. Mm-hmm. And it just takes time. The word of God talks about believers being like trees planted by streams of water. Why is, uh, why is that important? What's the significance of that? It's in uh, Psalm starting in the first verse, I think. First Psalm 1, 1 through 3. I'll find it real quick and just tell you about this. Obviously, I'm not really going to get too far in this message, but we're just having fun today. Amen? Amen. Psalm 1. Uh, get my fingers. When my fingers get below 80 degrees, I'm inside. <laughs> they slow down too. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law or the word of God, the law of the Lord. The New Covenant reading, you just read this as the word of God. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, see, this is, this is that growth pattern into good ground. Someone who's received the word into good ground, he's meditating on this word day and night. He not only just reads the Bible, and I don't care if you read 10 chapters or 10 words out of your Bible. If you read two scriptures and you go, whoa, stop right there. Don't, don't keep going and go, oh, well, God, I, I hear you talking to me right there, but i got to get these ten chapters read. Well, dummy. <laughs> he was trying to have fun with you right there. Just stop and meditate on those two scriptures the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the rest of the month if you need to. God's talking to you. That's Ramah. That's a now word. Anyway... Meditating on the word day and night. Then look at verse 3. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers. This is someone who's rooted and founded and grounded in the word of God. The word of God is like 
and the Bible often refers to believers as trees. And when you read about scorpions and and uh, things like that, those are demons. There's lots of things in the Bible that you need to become aware of like that when you're reading it. And then you need to learn how to read it through New Covenant lenses because not talking about the law as in the Ten Commandments and the other hundreds of laws that they had anymore. He's talking about the Word of God and the New Covenant of grace and truth that we have with Jesus. But those deep roots, when, 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 someone, when, a, when a tree is planted by a stream of water, those roots, they go deep and then they reach out and they, they tap into that water source, don't they? So that tree is beautiful and healthy, even, even when it's hot and drought and a fire is nearby and it's threatening to burn up all the houses. That tree is still just green and pretty because it's tapped into the source, you see. And you can depend on that source, that water source. When the, when the Hebrews were in the wilderness, you know they had the first pet rock? And you know that rock was Jesus? It followed them around. And water came out of that rock. The Holy Spirit. And you can trust God to do what His Word says He will do. But you need to trust. You need to, before you will trust it, you need to get to a place where you know it for starters. You've put it in. You've meditated on it. You've conversed with God about it. You've gotten to know Him a little better about the things that you're reading and you talk to Him about it. You begin to see it in action and work. You begin to put it to, to work. Your faith is something you're supposed to send out and grab hold of the things provided by grace. Yeah. Nevertheless, that tree is, whoever planted that tree there is wise because that's a good place for a tree. You know, there's a, there's a Chinese bamboo. Have you ever seen Chinese bamboo? I'm sure you have. If you ever watched the Nature Channel or any of that, any of those samurais practicing. In the... But it takes five years to grow Chinese bamboo. But it doesn't even break ground for four years. <laughs> but that farmer keeps watering that ground every day where that bamboo is planted. Can't see nothing. There's no indication that it's growing or going to produce. But in the fifth year, it'll grow up to 90 feet in five weeks. (laughs) You could say, wow! That thing didn't grow at all for four years. But then it grew 90 feet in five months. But that's not true. It was growing the whole time. But for the first four years, it was just growing beneath the ground, beneath the surface where it couldn't be seen. It was being strengthened and the root system was 
developing so that it would give a proper foundation to be able to to hold up all that upward growth and weight and everything that was necessary to to strengthen that thing when it did sprout up it was all growth just some of it was very visual visible and some of it wasn't you know what I mean? Took time. You got to have that strong, unseen foundation. Same thing with the Word of God. Because without it, it wouldn't be able to sustain that big plan. So we have to let the Word of God take root in us so that we're unshakable. We have a strong, unshakable foundation so that when. The drought comes and the wind comes and the fires and the floods come. We don't, we're not moved by persecution or politics or the world or anything that comes against us. Whether we're, whether things come against us in our bodies or in our finances or in our relationships. We're still founded and grounded in the Word of God and it will sustain us and carry us through in the midst of adversity, success, tragedy, challenges, whatever comes upon us. Amen. I'm going to stop. I keep going, I'm going to go for a little while longer. <laughs> and, I, and I feel like we've said something today. The Lord has made a point or two, I believe. Somebody asked in the Bible college, how many, how many points should your sermon have? And we, we told him at least one. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much. I know. I want to tell you one more thing. When um, when Samantha she texted that actually she was texting that and when we started she told me about the thing with uh, Harper and then she she was texting Tavana and I both about it and it was we were all laughing back and forth you know and they thought how cute it was and everything just like I did but then the Lord spoke to me I felt like I heard the Lord drop something into my spirit. And I texted them back and I said, she's right, you know. And <laughs> yeah, it went over about like that. <laughs> they didn't say anything. And I texted them a passage of scripture from the book of Matthew, um, verses 46 through 50. And if you permit me, I'll just read those to you and then we'll, we'll close here. 
but this was a time when, you know, when Jesus was alive, his mother was a great help to him, but I, I've told you and explained to you that she was a young girl, and I don't believe that she understood that he was God. You know, most people thought the Messiah was going to be a conquering natural king or military or political savior, you know, for the nation at that time. So she didn't really understand it, but she was with him. His brothers and sisters, his brothers especially, they weren't even believers at all until after he was crucified and raised from the dead. And then they were big parts of the church. They even have, a couple of them even have books in the Bible. But when he was alive, they weren't really big fans and supporters. You know, he had a lot of a lot of trouble <laughs> in his life. Anyway, they were looking for him one day. And he was preaching in a house. And they were probably afraid he was going to get in trouble or something. And anyway, they was outside looking for him. It's in Matthew 12, verse 46 through 50. It says, While he, Jesus, was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside. Asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. Thank you for teaching us and growing us up in your word and helping us to mature in the faith, Lord, so that when you return, you will find faith in this earth and we will all be in that number if you tarry. We thank you, Lord, for all of the truth of your word and we thank you for this new year and for all the wonderful plans that you have for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope and a future. We believe that, Lord. We put our faith in it. We put our trust in it. We thank you, Lord, that we're all going to walk in divine health and wholeness and prosperity and peace and love and joy in this year and in all the years that you give us to come. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.